the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are looking at the protection of God, the plan and purpose of God, as well as the promise preserved. It's all coming up next on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. We sin. We sin grossly, yet God steps in and saves the day. Now, is this God affirming and saying that that sin is okay? Oh, quite the contrary. In fact, rather, it's God stepping in and saying, I've promised to keep and protect you in spite of your sin. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, who returns us to Genesis chapter 20. And we see this in the life of Abraham. Chapter 20, verses 1 through 18 is where we're at. The restraining grace of God in spite of Abraham's sin. With more, here's Pastor Jessica Stan. Sarah was living large. Remember, she's a queen. If he's a king, she's a queen. This sister got money. She got servants. She's got land. She's got property. Are y'all hearing me? She is no small figure. She's a princess in the word of God. She is at the top of the line. And when she rubs her hands and hears her brother give the plan, she says, yeah, it would be tough to lose all this for you. It would be, be tough to lose all this for you. Just stay with me for a minute. Just, just stay with me for a minute. I know this is tough, but it's going to land on the gospel here in the morning. I know it's tough, but the only reason it's tough is because you're still not persuaded that you're a sinner. That's the reason it's tough. Because you're better than Sarah, and you're better than Abraham. That's why what I'm saying is tough. Because you still got a bunch of self-righteousness in you. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you would. But I'm going to show you something. Can I show you something? I'm going to show you that there's an aspect of what Abraham is doing that comes directly from the will of God. See, remember I told you you can't think horizontally. You got to think vertical. It's going to be tough, but you're gonna, you might see it. <clears throat> now, the, what we have is the problem of sin, and sin is always the inability for us to see the whole picture. And it shuts us up to choices that are limited, that we have to execute with our own reasoning. You have that going on in your life every day. Every day you make choices that are rooted in two things and sometimes simultaneously. Are you ready? Every day you make choices that are rooted in your sinful nature because of your weakness, because of your ignorance, because of your propensities, because of your bents, but it also may very well be mixed with faith. Does anybody operating out of faith and sin at the same time? Yeah, you are. Don't ever lie and say you don't. Every act of faith on your part has a sin element underneath. Because we never, ever do anything perfectly. So let's give Abraham 
and Sarah a little break, mostly Abraham. But Sarah got her issues because she took up with the plan the first time, Genesis 12. And she looked up, sure enough, you know what the text said? Pharaoh's men saw her and said, man, do you see that sister? And Pharaoh inquired, who is she? Well, they say she's the sister of Abraham. And the next thing you know, he took her. Just like Abraham said. Just like he said. But quite naturally, he going to take her because she's Abraham's sister. Right? And so, if you look at that narrative carefully in chapter 12, something strange occurs. Pharaoh negotiates with Abraham and gives Abraham a bunch of money, a bunch of cattle, a bunch of goods. Abraham comes out wealthier than when he went in because Pharaoh took Sarah. Now, Sarah is in Pharaoh's house getting manicures and pedicures and all of the best of everything because she's at the top of the food line. She's sitting up there saying, hmm, Lord, what are you up to? Because she's walking by faith too. This is integrity meeting integrity. Only some of you will get what I'm talking about. Because Sarah is a child of the living God as well. And Sarah has learned how to walk in order. She's not stepping outside and fighting with her husband because she would only have a right to fight with him if she had a better plan than him. If in fact, on a human level, all of this wealth and resource is normally taken up by kings who will come in and destroy you and take your property. You got to have a plan. Anybody reasoning with me? Let's say theoretically you got a house, you got family, you got kids, you got servants. If you love them and care for them, won't you have a plan B or plan C? Even if they take you out? Is that right? Wouldn't that be rational, reasonable? Absolutely. Specifically, if God hasn't made it very plain to you that this is the way he's going to work. God leaves you and I in situations all the time like that, where we are stuck between human reasoning and a insufficient clarity that's rooted in a form of faith. Y'all with me? And now we got to kind of tremblingly put our feet in front of the other and execute the plan because we have no better way of doing it. Now, I want you to notice something in the Genesis chapter uh, 12 narrative. It worked out all right, didn't it? Do you know why? Here's why. Because God was in it. Watch this. God showed up to not only stop Pharaoh from taking her to be his wife, but God had stopped up Pharaoh's wounds. He plagued Pharaoh's house. He was going to destroy Pharaoh if he had so much as touched Sarah. You guys remember that? This is an embryonic prophecy of God coming in through Moses to destroy all of Egypt 430 years later when God would bring his children out. Remember that? God is at war with the devil in the land of Egypt. And his servant is Abraham and his daughter Sarah. While they are in the land, what they are doing is demonstrating their supremacy over the Egyptian king by uh, Abraham executing the plan of, you are my sister, because she was. Abraham could but simply trust that God would not allow anything to happen to to Sarah when she went in. Y'all got that? So Abraham's down on the ground sweating, wondering what's going on with his girl. And his girl up there eating the best caviar in the world. 
said, all right, Lord, I'm going to walk with you and trust you. I'm going to bless your holy name. But if this brother walk up on me, I'm going to body slam him. (laughs) Right. So stay with me. And the reason I'm saying that is because your Bible will tell you nothing but Sarah walked by faith. Sarah walked by faith. Your Bible will never tell you that Sarah somehow was sinning or somehow was perverted or somehow she didn't love Abraham. The Bible tells us that she walked by, she was a woman of faith and that she called her husband Lord. She believed that God would work it out. And that's often where we are. Is that right? That's often where we are. We got to just hope that God would work it out. He worked it out in that case, didn't he? Now, show you something else. He comes out with more than he had when he came in. That's a good business deal. I'll talk about that in a moment. Now, it's true. Fear is rooted in unbelief. And it's often a matter of what? Self-preservation. There's no doubt about that. That's just kind of like the knee-jerk reaction that we all do. We are always thinking about saving ourselves. It's just fundamental truth. But because you never read about God, even as remotely reproving Abraham, you have to know that God sees something else besides his sin. You guys got that? You have to know that. Now going to chapter 20, let's work on this one. Point number four, point number five. Let me see if I can make this way. Point number five, the protection of God. In Genesis chapter 20, what we have now in our text is very clear, starting at verse uh, three. Uh, so uh, verse two, and Abram said to Abraham said unto Sarah's wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gura, sent and took Sarah. Here she is on number two. Now, Sarah's used to this by now, right? But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, what? Behold, you are a dead man. Woo-hoo! For the woman which you have taken, she is a man's wife. Now, what God did was intervene a second time, didn't he? Because he knew that Abimelech, in his innocency and naivete, assumed her to be a sister. And she was still, can y'all get this? This sister, 99 years old. 99. The first time, listen, the first time, the first time she was somewhere like 75, 80 with the king of Pharaoh. Now she's 99 years old. And the Philistine king still feeling himself about Sarah. <laughs> she had to be beautiful. Right? right. Now, now, can God preserve a sister? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe that. Right. I believe that. He can. And he does. And there was something special about Sarah. But it rises to the level of covenant. And you've got to know that. It rises to the level of covenant. Abraham was not wrong. His wife was beautiful enough for kings to want her. He never will know whether or not his wife was beautiful enough for someone to assassinate him because he never did play that card. He never said, that's my wife. He always played, that's my sister. It only happened twice. Notice what the text says. He says, You are a dead man, for this is a man's wife. Verse 4. But Elimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, do you guys see that? This is Adonai. Will thou slay a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister? And she even herself said he's my brother. Sarah's in on it totally, isn't she? 
This is my brother. She got paid well last time. Let's see how, if I can roll off with some more dough. Yeah, this is my brother. Right, now, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because God comes through the first time, her and Abraham realize that God accommodated their weakness to advance his purpose. And God will do that. Okay? And it happens again this time. Nothing is going to happen to Sarah, and she knows it. See, when you walk by faith, you can know that. Nothing will happen to you or I if you walk by faith and trust God. God won't let a hair on your head fall to the ground without him being in it. And when you are actually operating in God's purpose, he will allow you to come near to evil and evil to come near to you. But God will decree, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Well, stay with me now. The prophet is Abraham. The anointed is Sarah. Don't touch Sarah. I'll kill you. Egypt is dead in God's eyes because of Sarah. The Philistines are completely wiped out in God's eyes because of Sarah. Y'all got that? And I'll just make that good here in a moment. Under our sixth point, under our fifth point, the protection of God, keeping the king honest. Is that what God is doing? He comes to him in a dream because in that culture, like the book of Job says, God spoke to people in dreams. God spoke to Abimelech in a dream, said, leave her alone. And Abimelech is talking to Adonai saying, I I didn't touch her. She said she was his brother. I was a free woman. Lord, in my integrity, I only drew her in. He's appealing to God on the innocency of his conscience and on the integrity of him never, ever asserting to take another man's wife. By the way, this is the lesson that God wants us to get out of this narrative, both in the Genesis 12 account and here, that even though unsaved people unregenerate people don't know God in the way of salvation, God still exercises moral restraints in their life. God will still keep men and women who are unsaved walking in a morally correct way within the parameters of human conscience. Am I making some sense? Not everybody is operating out of the same perverse extreme. And it's really a lesson for you and I to not whitewash and blanket everybody that we meet with the same kind of propensities uh, or practices of evil and perversion that we might think would occur. Because at that point now we are casting aspersions and now we are slandering people. You and I will frequently run across unsaved people who act better than we do. Y'all got that? Act better than we do, but they're just not saved. And where we have to meet them is not on their moral superiority because we don't have any, because we still jacked up believers, right? So we can't come to them talking about, you know, I don't cuss, smoke, drink. I don't commit a fornication or adultery. A few of y'all don't, but most of us can't use that term. The only way we can appeal to them is on the grounds, the fact that we all are sinners and that our only hope is Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord. Is that right? In fact, that's the only message that's going to work because it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his what? Mercy has he saved us. So the gospel is going to always be the solution with our pagan unsaved friends. But on some days, just because we're so jacked up, they are going to live better lives outwardly than you and me. And that's why God will position them and advance them and give them wealth and give them blessings in the uh, so reap principle that he won't give us because we have not learned how to walk in integrity. Am I making some sense? Right. 
but God still loves you. You're his covenant people. He's going to make sure nothing happens to you. So keeping the king honest, this is what's going on. And then affirming the gift of grace. Did he affirm it? Look at what God said in verse four. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation? Said he not to me, she is my sister. She is even her, her, herself said he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and in the innocency of my hand. Have I done this? And God said unto him in a dream, watch this. Yea, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. He affirmed him, right? Now, here is what God says is the cause for which he did not touch her. And I also withheld you from touching her. Do you guys see that? Here's the theological truth that comes out of this, and I'm going to land this plane for today. No one keeps from committing sin unless God restrains him. Every human being on planet Earth, when we would even attempt at it, if God restrains you by providence, if he restrains you by conscience, if he restrains you by his spirit, he's the one restraining you. You know what that means? If God takes his hands off of all of us, we, are, we will sin like the most rabid, violent, sociopathic person in the world. Y'all got that? We will be evil beyond compare. So God restrains the ungodly and he restrains us too so that no flesh can glory in his sight. And now, here's what he says, verse 7. Let's make my way, I want to make my way through here. Now, therefore, he said, restore the man his wife. Do you see that? And here's the reason why. He's a prophet, and he shall pray for you, and you shall live. <laughs> Woo! I'm almost willing to park this here and take this up next week because there's so much here. Here's a situation in which a man innocently took another woman, and he's about to die and everybody in his tribe. And now he's got to give her back and then ask for the husband to pray for him. So he can live. Isn't that amazing? amazing? Here it is. If you restore her not, know that you shall surely die, you and all that are yours. God's serious about his purpose, the protection of God over his people. Point number six, the plan of God. Here it is. What do we mean by the plan of God in point number six? We mean that the integrity of God is working itself out in the plan of God. Meaning that the reason why God is even there in the life of Abimelech talking to him is because God has a plan for Abraham and Sarah. And Abimelech is not about to mess that plan up. God's letting Abimelech know my integrity factor overrules your integrity factor. Y'all got that? My integrity is that I got a plan for Abraham and Sarah and you are about to interrupt that plan. If Abimelech had touched Sarah... God's plan would have been completely corrupted because God's plan is all about the seed. Are y'all with me? All right, I'll land it here and I'll pick it up next week. God's plan is about the seed. And the seed that God is talking about is Isaac. Remember, Sarah and Abraham have struggled from chapter 12 to chapter 17 with God saying Abraham will have a seed and Sarah could never conceive. Are y'all with me? And Sarah now goes through the machination in chapter 16 of giving Abraham her handmaid. And God says to Sarah and Abraham, that ain't going to work. That's the work of the flesh. That's your energy. That's your labor. What I'm going to do is going to require a miracle. 
That's why I'm letting y'all get old. Like real old. Like real, real old. So that my plan will be a plan that depicts the grace of God totally. That when people look at you, they will know that it's only the grace of God operating in you, birthing in you, producing in you, conceiving in you. That it ain't no way that your effort plus God's effort could bring that about. Am I making some sense? Now watch this now. What God protected was this man's integrity, but he also protected Sarah's seed. So I'm going to give you an insight. I'm going to shut it down. I know this is going to blow you away, but this is the way it's going to go. In chapter 18, verse 10, God told Abraham, Sarah is going to have the baby. In the time of life, I'm coming, and she's going to have the baby. It's chapter 18. This is right before God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? Just, this is just two chapters ago. Y'all got that? And you know what God said in chapter 17? Verse 17, he's he telling Abraham Sarah's going to have a child. Sarah doesn't know it. This is between Abraham and God. But in chapter 17, go back to chapter, now Sarah knows, go back to chapter 17, verse 17. This is where God makes a, a stunning statement that I want you to hear. Then Abraham fell on his face in what? Because God said, Sarah's going to have the baby. Now we're going to come back and talk about that next week because we got to get off the horizontal plane. God is not, uh, Abraham's not being irreverent. When God gives you good news about something he's going to do in you that you can't do for yourself, it gives you the joy of triumph that comes out in a kind of laughter that actually believes God. Y'all got that? It's a laughter that says, look at what God is about to do in my life. Because God's getting specific here. Abraham fell on his face, laughed, and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is how old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear a what? Shall she bear? Look at verse 21. Pull verse 21 up. I'm going to show you something, and y'all can meditate on this before it's over. But my covenant will I establish with who? Which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Now, I got a bunch of stuff to talk about, but here's what I want you to know. When you do the math from chapter 17 to chapter 20, when Sarah goes in to Gerar, the Philistine king, that girl is already pregnant. She's already pregnant. That means God has already visited her with conception. Because in chapter 21, Y'all know 21 comes after 20, right? (laughs) Isaac is born. This text tells us one year transpires between the promise given and the promise fulfilled. Now, what happens in that window? Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. Abraham goes down to Gerar. God forbids the king of Gerar to touch Sarah. And I don't know about y'all, but if God tells me next year, this time, what's the day? What's the day? February 17th. If God told me, Jesse, Barbara, next year, this time, is going to have a child. I'm sorry, honey. I'm just, I'm just using you as an example. You know, and we ain't had babies in a long time. 
But I know we ain't got but a three-month window before she's pregnant. Ain't but three months. Now, y'all try to squeeze three months into Genesis 18 and Genesis 20. Y'all hear me? God knows that Sarah is with child. And that's why he's about to wipe all of that Philistine country out. If that boy had even come so close as near her. By the time Sarah and Abraham leaves Gerar, everybody in the country going to know. Watch this. He didn't touch her. <laughs> he didn't touch her. This ain't the Philistine's child. And nobody going to be doubting that. And that's so because God is a God of integrity. Such a wonderful time hearing God's word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. You can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782 or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today. Trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.